Tonight on Rogue Padron, making new friends, a better Corsic agent than Corin. I starts up in the gym, just working on her fitness. Justice for Gate <laughs> 2K17. That's Fergalicious. Thank you very much. Good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Justice for Gate 2K17. Wedge's safety words. Wiz will sorely will be sorely missed. Maslow's hierarchy of hatred. And Corin is an idiot's array. And that's our <laughs> show, everyone. <laughs> Ten hours later. <laughs> This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue 6, standing by. Rogue 7, standing by. Rogue 3, standing by. Listeners, welcome to Season 8, Mission 5 of Rogue Padron. Tonight we'll be going over Chapters 25 through 32 of X-Wing Ice Hard's Revenge. But before that, quick reminder of your hosts, because it's been a couple weeks. Did you just say Ice Hard's Revenge? <laughs> I did. I didn't mean to, but it came out that way. So <laughs> We're nice. going to go with it. If Seth, Rogue 7, was a type of spam email, she would be the one <laughs> with the... <laughs> For the subject line is meet cute girls in your area exclamation point exclamation point exclamation point and they just really want your money. Yes, that's me. I love these intros so much. I'm the cute girl. I just want your money. <laughs> Danny Rogue Six would be a newsletter from the store you bought one thing from six years ago, but will not stop leaving you alone. Oh my god, that's me. And they somehow still find your email address after you unsubscribe. After you unsubscribe, you're still on <laughs> You're like, go months without getting one, and then all of a sudden, a new one appears. Hey, How remember did you us? get it again? <laughs> we just had your thought you might want to know about this sale. <laughs> Heath, Rogue 3. Please be Viagra. 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 It's not. Aww. Heath, he doesn't need <laughs> I think you. you said he doesn't need any, but you cut off. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pretend that's what she said. <laughs> Heath, Rogue 3, are the social media notifications of when a friend of a friend of a friend likes something. Yep. I'm like that <laughs> annoying LinkedIn notification that's like, news about so-and-so. Oh, I hate <laughs> those so much! <laughs> Who cares? I hate LinkedIn! <laughs> And I'm Meg, Rogue Leader, and I'm emails from a foreign prince who needs your help and lots of <laughs> A classic. Classic spam email right there. Just think, like, when we're all old and gray, and we've run out of Legends books to, d- to totally ruin, we'll be sitting around the nursing home reminiscing about the good old days when Nigerian princes used to contact us on a regular basis. Oh, those are the good days. Kids, so you don't even know what a spam email is. <laughs> And they'll be like, what? Sorry, I just got a spam directly into my brain message. Oh, geez. Anyway, speaking of penetrating directly into your brain, I have a question about <laughs> Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. Great, great, amazing. What is your Snoke theory, and why does it not suck? <laughs> uh, Snoke, 
Snoke is a bad dude, <laughs> and it doesn't suck because it's accurate. <laughs> the end. Really, really elaborate theory there, Meg. I don't care about Snoke in any kind of way. My my Snoke theory is that he has like twenty pairs of glittery slippers at home, um, and it doesn't yeah. suck because he does wear glittery slippers, and we've seen it on his toys. <laughs> So that much at least is true. Do do you think that with each title change, he's gotten a different color of robe? Oh so like God, Supreme like Leader is the gold robe, but he's he been through silver like and, silver yes. and bronze and black yes. and chartreuse. He and also seems like the kind of guy that changed his title like at least once a week. So oh, he's got just robes on robes on robes. But every single one of them is different in some way. Like the the yeah. maroon is different from the dark red. Like maroon was when yeah. he was supreme super leader, and the dark red was when he was supreme sub leader. Like right. Just... Like, please, the blood orange is right. very different from red. Yes. <laughs> Noak's closet is just a rainbow of glittery robes. <laughs> oh my god, goals! I love it. That's mine. I kind of stole Seth's, but that's mine. You 100% stole Seth's. <laughs> after hearing, after talking that out, I don't want anything else for Snoke. I hope that's the plot twist, is that just, he's got to walk in order like that. I don't know why it's a plot twist, but I hope it is. <laughs> There's a dog in the background. Sorry, Ellie is like starved for attention tonight, and he's like running around the apartment. Did he just bark? <laughs> No. Oh. That was us just He's just fall. literally running around. That may have been like, making sound. Dro- dropping toys at my feet. <laughs> oh my god, Elliot. Alright, Danny, what's your theory? Oh, um, my theory is that Snoke, um, let's see. So the, the scars on his face, he got those when he went to visit Luke at Achtua and went to the, that's how it's pronounced, <laughs> went to the the library in the cave and he was trying to get one of the books off the top shelves and it fell it was a really heavy book and it hit him in the face and that's how he got his scars from a book i appreciate that that's like actually probably the most thought out answer out of all excuse me i've been thinking about mine for months (laughs) (laughs) whereas i literally made this one up as i was going yeah but it's about books so it sounds really smart (laughs) is that also where he got his neck holes (laughs) I forgot about his neck holes. How can you forget? They're right there. They're disgusting. That's his sexual organ. That's different. Oh, Oh, I don't feel bad about swearing all those past episodes anymore. (laughs) Oh, gosh. This is way worse than swearing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. No more neck hole theories. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> if you right. stare into the neck holes for too long. You see your future. You see your future. And it's never <laughs> bright. Because you're uh, looking into Snoke's neck holes. Uh, <laughs> it only tells you lies. <laughs> no, that's the Borgullet's neck holes. Oh, the Borgullet doesn't really have neck holes. <laughs> Not that anyway. we saw. <laughs> you can poke some in there real easy. Oh, uh, yeah, no, Danny, it's like alien abuse. It is. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Borgullet. <laughs> we love you, Mr. Tangles. 
All right. <laughs> that reminds me, because I'm definitely writing a love, a romance fanfic of Mr. Tangles and Grandma Tarkin. Oh, my God. Perfect. Wait, is Mr. Tangles the Borgullet? Yes. And who's, I've, who's Grandma I've Tarkin? I've heard Borgullet referred to Tarkin. as Mr. Tangles, and I love it so much. So we were at uh, Rogue One in the park, like on the big inflatable movie screens. Is that and where you doing... go to the park and then everyone dies? Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> so they started off with trivia questions about Rogue One. And one of them was like, what's the name of the creature that Saw owns? And Carly yelled out, Mr. Tangles! <laughs> <laughs> yes, Carly, that's it. That, that's right. <laughs> Mr. That's the answer. <laughs> Oh my god, I just picture him in a top hat and monocle, and his name is Mr. Tangles. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. (laughs) Mr. Tangles here. (laughs) We had, we, we, this is also, um, so this was the same group that, like, we went to go see Rogue One on opening night with, with Mike. And um, my, Carly kept leaning over and was like, is that Grandma Tarkin? And, like, every time Tarkin would come up on screen, and Mike was just flabbergasted because he has that Grandma Tarkin tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> you mean that Grandma Tarkin tattoo, right? Grandma They're officially oh Grandma Tarkin and Mr. Tangles. I love it. I cannot wait to read this fic. It's a three-part fic. And they have excellent names already. If if this like if we just like if New Jedi Order kills us, we should just start a spin-off podcast where we read do dramatic readings of fanfic. Yes, absolutely one hundred percent. Okay. Great. All right. So speaking of things that are gonna kill us (laughs) chapters twenty five through thirty two. That's a lot of chapters. Yep. That's a lot of chapters. They're all very short. Um yeah, as long as this is like Seven or eight chapters, but it's still shorter show notes than like three chapters from Race Squadron. <laughs> right. So take that as you will. <laughs> because so many of these notes are probably pew pew. <laughs> I mean, or Michael Stackpole gives details about things. Yes. We know exactly what Isar's body stocking looks like. <laughs> I'm so glad I learned that. I'm so thankful that this book decided to explain that in exhaustive detail. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. All right. <laughs> The rogues arrive for their first training session in the TIE Defenders. Taiko looks real good in black, and he gets to use his own black rebel flight suit. Corrin Horn, a pilot, is already <laughs> pissing people off. But honestly, this time he has a right to be suspicious and vaguely hostile. They find out the TIE Defenders are actually really bamf because they are super maneuverable in space and atmosphere. They have quad lasers, eight torpedoes or missiles, shields, and a hyperdrive. If the Empire had these before the Emperor's demise, the Rebellion might have fallen. Which, in Rebels, they do have TIE Defenders. So, (laughs) oops. It's okay, this ain't canon. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) They get into the Sims, and the rogues are now designated as Red Squadron, because Icehard told them they couldn't keep their rogue call sign. So Wedge picked out Red Squadron, and he, like, shushed them that it's close enough because it's what they use at the Battle of the First Death Star. But Isard doesn't know that. Isard is super rude and put a bunch of stuff in the sim to poke at the rogues, like having it be at Yagdul, which was their home base battle station 
for the Battle at Typhera, and having the Pulsar Skate and the Millennium Falcon and a bunch of other friendly ships there. The actual Defender pilots are flying as an ambush for them, and then the next, like, six pages are a bunch of space battles where everyone does a good job. This, like, I know we've made our stance on space battles very clear, but this was a particularly boring space battle. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Especially because it's a simulated space battle. Right. I honestly don't even remember what happened to that. The stakes were zero. Yeah. After the sim is over, Corin gets out and sees that the rogues and the TIE pilots are all chatting together, building a level of mutual respect so they can work together better. <laughs> including Brogue, Vessery, and Wedge in their own little space, smiling softly. <laughs> I love how it's just like the, the most stereotypical work retreat ever. <laughs> Corin saw that the team building exercise had gone successfully, and they all felt slightly closer and more cohesive because of it. Next, trust falls. Yep, and then the human knot. <laughs> In the next chapter, Whistler is the real MVP. Is he this the protocol- first time we've had a full chapter from the perspective of a droid? Or did uh, we have one from Lara's droid a couple no, of weeks ago? No, we had one from Lara's chapter. I'm just going to say, like, something I did note down for this um, was that Lara's one started off with, like, what was his name again? How have I forgotten his name? Wow. Tonin. Tonin, yeah, like Tonin and Joy being the king of droids or something like that. Compared yeah. to Whistler's start of their chapter, which was like boring as hell and really overly technical, I still like the Race Squadron droid chapter yeah. more. Yeah. Yes, because this next part is I that mean, Whistler has protocols and special features. Yeah, it's it's hard <laughs> to top <laughs> Tonin was the king of the droids. Yeah, it is. It is. And... So he's been doing things like, surprise, his restraining bolt is actually useless. And he pretended for it to work so that Imperial Tech um, would just stick him in the closet and he could watch out for all the things going on the base with no one being the wiser. Corrin has given him all the details he needed to splice into the communications at computer systems. He's been watching for when the least security is around, which is during the rogue training sims, so he can make his move. Whistler gets his restraining bot off and then takes Gates off as well. They talk for a while, filling each other in, before cutting a hole in the wall to get into the access repair vents. Wow, they are, they are moving speedy. quickly. Yeah. Taking so each other's speedy. restraining bolts off already? Yeah. That's like second base for droids. I mean, they've been together <laughs> a long time. I guess. They've kind of been peripherally aware of each other. You know I what? Mean, who knows what they've been doing behind the pilot's backs? We sure do. Right. And like maybe Gate is like Wedge and he's just really desperate for love right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Whistler, <laughs> therefore, is like Corn and he's just like, sure, I'm all that. Right. I'll try I'll try anything once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, show me them special protocols. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> Sorry, I mean beep beep boop boop beep. <laughs> so alluring. <laughs> Whistler uses one of Booster's old, old, old accounts from the Pulsar Skate to purchase them passage off-world. He knows not to use corner Miraxes, so he doesn't draw attention to himself. He plans out four different escape routes, and after setting everything up, him and Gate leave the base. This was such a boring chapter for something so cool happening. <laughs> Alright, so I heard that Corn Horn, a pilot, has an eight-pack. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, should we just start the reading? Like, there's nothing yeah. that I could describe. We should just start the reading. Corn Horn wiped the sweat from his face and let his torso sag forward over the padded bar of the abdominal muscle weight machine. 
Though only driving 65 kilos on one gravity per repetition, the weight added up, and his sore stomach muscles were beginning to burn. Okay, I have to pause right here. It sounds like Corrin himself is narrating this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Though yeah. I was only driving 65 kilos on one gravity per repetition, the weight really I mean, added up. <laughs> My stomach muscles are really beginning to burn, bro. This is exactly written as you brag about, like, as you humble brag what you did at the gym. This is right. exactly correct. Like, Stackpole yep. is slowly becoming his main character, I think. <laughs> <laughs> he loves Corin so much. All right. Something about the dull pain felt good. <laughs> as if it were reminding him he was alive. This paragraph is gold. <laughs> it's gold. So good in so many ways. The next time I do a workout, I'm just going to, like, tweet about it and be like, oh, that dull pain feels good. It reminds me that I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> Flat abdominals. I suppose your wife likes them? Corin's head snapped around. Yusani Icehard, clad in a skin-tight workout uniform that covered her from knees to elbow and throat, stood in the doorway. Black stripes running down the sides of the arms, flanks, and legs of the red body stocking matched the fingerless black gloves she wore. She clung to each end of the black towel she had looped around her neck, making her appear almost casual, as if their meeting in the base weight room had been by accident. Nothing she does is by accident. The pilot narrowed his eyes. You want something? Isard shrugged and moved into the room to seat herself at a leg curl machine. I thought I would tell you that your latest attempt to get a message out to your wife has failed. Using her designator code as the origin code for a message destined to be rejected by our system was an interesting idea, but an old one. Our systems here are quite secure. So far, you mean? Corin gritted his teeth and curled his body forward, hoisting the machine's weight with his stomach muscles. Saf, we might need some grunting in here. <laughs> he forced himself to breathe with each repetition, focusing on the burning sensation in his muscles and using it to drive Isar from his mind. She waited until he finished. Your persistence is admirable, as is the passion you express for your wife in the messages. Enjoyed them, did ya? He shook his head, spraying sweat around the room. <laughs> what? Continue to send them. How much was he sweating? So <laughs> much sweat. From like one set? And from just shaking his head, it sprays it around the room. Alive. Yeah. <laughs> Why? You know I'll intercept them all. Nice to know you have something to do with your time. Corrin unwrapped his body from the machine and slowly <laughs> stood. As for why, it's because I love her, and I know she'll be hurt thinking I'm dead. Isard raised an eyebrow. You'll be reunited with her once you've destroyed Krenna. So that's what? Another month of pain? No good. Corrin, despite having just expressed a love of pain, frowned at her. <laughs> Haven't you ever loved someone? The question seemed to catch her off guard, and Corrin felt a wave of surprise roll off her. Once again, Corrin regretted not having gone with Luke Skywalker to train himself to be a Jedi, because he could have totally used that moment of vulnerability to open her up. He thought, I could find out what she's really planning, and prevent her from accomplishing it. I started brushed her hands down the tops of her thighs. I, ha I have loved, yes, but I trusted that he would know if I lived or died. That's asking a lot. No one can possibly know. He stopped mid-sentence as he recalled, with horror, a rumor about her. The Emperor? You loved the Emperor? Captain Horn, the surprise in your voice is hardly appropriate. 
Is it any surprise that I would find myself attracted to the brightest star in the galaxy? <laughs> I was raised on Imperial Center. I came of age during Palpatine's time. Sheev was immensely charismatic. He would look you in the eyes and touch the person you were. <laughs> oh no! Yikes! Oh, he lived. No. He lived for his dream of a stable galaxy. Her voice took on an edge, and he died for her. Uh, I hope you're not expecting an apology from you for that. No, that's a good stopping point. <laughs> this entire thing is so horrid. <laughs> Why did they describe her rubbing her hands down her thighs as he's talking about the emperor? <laughs> She's getting bothered, all right. Oh no! I she thought you could just so her. much. Don't kink shame. She misses I'm parts of Sheev. Oh uh, no, <laughs> Danny! <laughs> How dare you? He just sees inside of you and touches the person you are. Uh, <laughs> white men in power. White men in power. Uh, Except like, this sounds extremely consensual. She came like extremely. <laughs> well, but she like, came like possibly too much so <laughs> during Palpatine's time. So like he was already an old man in the Senate when she yep. turned like what sixteen. Oh my God! She had a Senator Palpatine themed Sweet Sixteen birthday party. Oh my, my God! God. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, oh, it's still statutory. Oh God! She like doodled on her notebook, Mrs. Isaini Palpatine. <laughs> Oh my oh, god. No. Oh, it's been, it's and so Palpatine. <laughs> Emperor and Mrs. Palpatine. <laughs> no. Their shipper name is Sheev Hard. Oh no. Oh, oh, I hate all of it. <laughs> oh. Either that or Palpatard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's not do. Let's not do that one. Oh my gosh. Oh no. <laughs> well, this is gonna go. They keep talking, and Isar continues with leg day, even though that leg curl machine is not very accurate and usually puts you in poor form because it doesn't really fit your body. <laughs> um, and she wants an apology. Because he underestimated her. He really believed that she had died and he didn't do any verifying of it. What a loser. To be fair, yeah, there were two of them and neither of them died. So he did screw that up a lot. <laughs> like, you guys really should have checked maybe a little bit more. Yeah. And they also said some weird, she said some weird stuff um, about how... She's glad the Lusankia was destroyed because, like, having Corn escape from it and having the prisoners in it violated and soiled it. And, ugh. I remember she, when I used to like her? Because I really don't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> She's just, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm good. Make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> so she tells him again that he needs to stop sending messages. She threatens to break Whistler apart and spread each piece throughout the galaxy where a thousand Jedi over a thousand years won't be able to find all of him. Corey is actually just surprised that no one has noticed Whistler's gone. It's been a whole week, but also great job, Whistler. So he pretends to be surprised about her new about her threat and jabs her some more, but agrees. 
I appreciate why Corin is trying to contact Merax and like why he's not completely obeying Izard here. But also on the other hand, they do know that there are spies and everything within yeah, like, the New Republic. Maybe- like if she finds out that he's still alive, she's going to know and people are going to know from her knowing. Like it will kind of ruin the surprise. Yeah. Such an idiot. Yeah, that's Corin Horn, a pilot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we cut over to Wedge, who has a beard, but it's for disguise. And hopefully Gavin had to shave his goatee off for his disguise. <laughs> he and uh, Colonel Brooke Vessery are going over their plan to infiltrate Citrus. Wedge overall is fine with it. He just has general nervousness because a lot can go wrong. General nervousness? <laughs> yeah. General nervousness. Broke introduces Major Telic, a slender man with a strong grip. <laughs> like the most stackpole description of a character. <laughs> He'll be leading the ground commandos on the mission. His team are going to do some sims to streamline the plan and make sure that they can reduce casualties. Wedge and Broke will work on two messages to Akbar. To the Akbar, that's what I wrote in the note. <laughs> <laughs> the Akbar. <laughs> <laughs> one to get them to do the thing, and then one to signal for when to do it. Back on my zany droid adventures, Whistler and Gate arrive mostly safe at Oradin. With plans of revenge on two brothers who tortured poor Gate for their amusement, they leave the ship and Whistler goes and checks his messages. He gets one with a span of dates and a room number at the Grand Oradin Hotel. And yay, they're there at the right time! Some Ugnats and a Twi'lek try to steal them, but fast-thinking Whistler modifies a wanted poster for the Twi'lek, and everyone runs after him instead. They make it to room 1428 at the Grand Oradin Hotel, but it won't open! Behind them, room 1429 swings open, and it's Talon Card! And his bro, Aves, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Card is known... Card knew that the message wasn't from Booster, but didn't expect a couple of droids, especially ones that were supposed to be dead. What? Hi, Jinx. (laughs) (laughs) I'm almost convinced. (laughs) Whistler asks them to take them to Booster, and Card agrees easily. I don't like that his name is Card. Um... Mirix and Booster are waiting oh, yeah, for Card. Oh yeah, we haven't seen him since you learned the, the sad, yeah! sad truth. <laughs> Mirix and Booster aboard the Errant Adventure are waiting for Card to arrive. She's grieving, obviously. Worse than when Corrin had disappeared. There wasn't a body that time. There wasn't any proof before. But at least this time, thankfully, Booster is being a good dad. And not at least not saying mean stuff about him. That's a first... Way to go, Booster. She says that, like, part of the reason why he's mad about Corrin being dead is that he doesn't get to kill him himself. Yeah, because that's a normal dad thing. That's real. That's a real chill normal dad thing to say to your daughter and to have her know. Great relationship. He needs a world's best dad (laughs) mug. I'm sure he has. He bought them for himself, though. Booster comes out, and there's a lot of Booster. I was definitely talking about Card. Card comes out, and there's some <laughs> super useless banter about, like, Aves getting a promotion and a ship. Is, and this is all, like, wink-wink to the Thrawn trilogy, right? Is, yeah. No one cares. Aves was, like, a super background character there. Oh. Now he's another super background character here. Yes. But Good a work, super background Aves. character with a promotion. <laughs> oh, his own ship now. Wow. Who cares? Eventually, Card Aves, tells Mirax that he's Aves there cares. to see her. <laughs> and bam, Whistler! Whoa! 
Mirax knows that Corin must be alive because they would have either died together <laughs> or Whistler wouldn't have left Corin's side if he was injured. With Gate also being alive, she has hope to believe that most of the rogues are too. What if? Is she assuming that if Corin died, Whistler would have just killed himself? Like, <laughs> to be fair, he died in his X-Wing. And so if his X-Wing was destroyed, it is a pretty safe guess to assume that Whistler might also be destroyed. Okay, yeah. but also it is not beyond Corn and Whistler to make a suicide pact with each other. Yeah, that's also very true. Except yeah, that's true. I still I still want to go with our original theory that like Whistler is plotting for Corin to die and then he can marry Mirax. Yeah, I think that's still gonna happen. It might. They that, haven't gotten Corin back epic yet. Epic plot twist. <laughs> yeah, he didn't leave to help Corin, he left to help himself. We'll have to <laughs> we'll have to read that fic on our spin-off podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my god. <laughs> They head up to Booster's office when Ella calls them and says that she got a message from the Elder Kraken for them to return to Coruscant immediately. And she has an inkling the rogues are alive, I guess. Booster tells her to come down and see some proof for herself. On Coruscant, the Elder Kraken and Akbar are showing the video of Wedge to the Provisional Council. He describes that they have four weeks to get their fleet ready, and within one week after... That they'll be sent a second message on when to launch. They will have 10 a- hours to get the fleet to Citrus, or the rogues will really be dead this time. How often does he have to say that? Probably a lot. Is that like a threat? <laughs> right. Like, well, we're going to die if you do nothing, so you better <laughs> do something. This was sent seven days ago, but the Elder Kraken had to be sure. His top three people all confirmed it was Wedge. Akbar confirms that he's not under duress in this message because he didn't use any of his safety words. <laughs> <laughs> and Akbar has all of him. Exactly. He sure does. <laughs> all right. Do you think his safety Ak- words are all like ocean analogies? Well, no. Akbar definitely are. Akbar would just be like, "This is normally part of how we <laughs> it's talk." Normal talk. <laughs> <laughs> like it has to be something weird. <laughs> like desert analogies. Yeah. Yes, it would be desert analogies. So it's probably one of the phrases is a desert analogy. <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> Akbar and Boris fight as always. But Mon Mothma appeases them both. She agrees with Borsk's point that if the mysterious benefactor is imperial, they may be tangling with some unsavory people. However, they're in this war with the citrus hegemony and they need results. The only way that we'll, they will not do this mission will be because the plan is unmilitarily sound. But Akbar says it's all good. Akbar and the Elder Kraken leave, revealing they've deceived them all, knowing there'd be a leak of information. <laughs> Ooh, that's bad. The actual time of the attack will be two weeks earlier. It seems like a terrible way to run a military. Well, there's terrible leaks in the New Republic. (laughs) Yeah, they should probably get onto those. They have so many spies. (laughs) Like, remember when we were wondering who's the spy? The answer is literally everyone. (laughs) (laughs) They return to the Elder Kraken's office where Booster, Mirax, and Yella are waiting. The Elder Kraken tells them he needs to know what Isard's real goal is, and they have two weeks to figure it out. About two weeks later, the rogues are meeting in <laughs> secret to discuss the upcoming mission. <laughs> Everyone feels kind of shit about it because they are putting up all the risk, and they know it could be a huge trap. They agree that Isard will definitely stab them in the back, but they're not sure how. Roundface Minbronos thinks it'll happen after they win the battle against the Citrus Hegemony. They suggest Isard could do something as awful 
as already have the Lysankia prisoners carrying a disease, infecting everyone as they are paraded around the New Republic, and then leave the galaxy in turmoil. Everyone is silent because they know it might actually happen. Jeez. They're going to keep trying, running their sims, and tightening it up. Brooke Vessery knocks on the door of their super-secret meeting and pops in. (laughs) (laughs) They let him know that they're just going over the sims, and he tells them that if they need any changes, they'd better make it fast. It's two days to insertion. That's what she said. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) (sighs) He stops before he leaves and wishes them, may the force be with you, because he wants them all to win so they can all go home. Aww. Aww. Vessery. He does not belong there. He just wants to go <laughs> home. The rogues arrive at Citrus in their disguise. No surprise, Nrin is having a hard time being there, but he's a tough MF. When they land at a military platform, Prince Admiral Baby Bear is there with some upper staffers. He has Wedge introduced them to the team. He's cool with one flight, which is all humans with wanglings, but is unimpressed <laughs> with what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> They're all men. Dudes. Oh, dudes. right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm used to it being dingalings. Oh, <laughs> what? Wait, is it dingalings in New Zealand? <laughs> yeah, we call it dingalings here. It's a dingaling. <laughs> um, well, this has been an episode of Rogue Padron. <laughs> <laughs> but Prince Apple Baby Bear is unimpressed with Inuri, a woman on two flights. What? She gets too emotional once a week and can't do her flight. Once a month and can't <laughs> do her flight. Once a week? <laughs> That's some weird space stuff. I mean, you don't know how people's bodies are like in space. That's actually really true, yeah. He seems to be okay with Oral, which also we find out Zuckus is a gand. That's weird. I and, don't even know who Zuckus is. Zuckus is one of the bounty hunters hired by Darth Vader to hunt down Han Solo in the Millennium Falcon. I thought that was, like, common knowledge, but then I don't know if I just thought that. I never wasn't. knew that. And I've read this book before. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Noran is good because he also wants to kill a bunch of aliens. Huh. I thought when we first talked about Oral, we said that Gans were creatures we'd never seen on the screen. Oh, probably because well, okay. you, you didn't know Zuckus was a Gand at the time. I mean, he wears oh. a big helmet, and we didn't see him, like, punch through anybody's skulls with his fingers. Yeah, so, so how do we even know? How would we know? I think it was when I was talking about, because he's a Gand and Phasma, and I think somebody was like, oh yeah, it's the same thing as Zuckus. And I was like, oh yeah. So, I learned that recently too. Oh, well, the more you know, Rainbow. The more you know. Prince Alma Baby Bear welcomes them to his hegemony. Oh, uh, of course he does. Have some lemonade. <laughs> Have some lemonade. <laughs> On Coruscant, Booster is napping, while Iela, Mirax, and the Elder Kraken go over their ideas of how Isard will screw them over. Brewster came up with Isard's hierarchy of hatred because she'll want to inflict the most damage to the most people as possible. I need to start uh, using that. Yeah, right? Can we just read this, this straight up because it's just yeah. too good? I like literally threw my do book it. across the room when we got do to it, here. Do it, Danny, do it. Mirax reached across the table to squeeze Iela's hand. Isard is just one big ocean of evil. No real way to know if we found all the currents running deep there. Iela arched an eyebrow at Mirax. We really have been speaking a lot with Admiral Akbar, haven't we? Yeah, it'll be months before I stop using ocean analogies. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Akbar-isms for everyone. Like, that is the best breaking of the fourth wall yet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the only one? I'm not sure, but it was good. Beautiful. 
The Elder Kraken gives Iella and Mirak some super ultra clearance spending cards. He and Akbar are about to leave for the <laughs> staging area. It's like Black Friday up in there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and and waffle maker. Doorbusters with the Elder Kraken. The Elder Kraken <laughs> knows how to treat Lady right. Right? Unlimited spending. <laughs> um, so he wants them to have everything they need if they come up with something that will stop Isard. He tells them to be discreet if they break laws, and a few bodies is okay, but don't raise any planets. <laughs> See, when I, when I like, those emails go out with me as a cute girl that wants to steal money, I'm hoping to find a guy like this. <laughs> we'll just give you a card and like, if you break laws, just be discreet. <laughs> just, like, the big rule is just don't raise any planets, and otherwise you'll find. I thought the New Republic right. is really just like loosening their morals at this point. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, I mean, they used to stand for all that was good. Now they're just like, eh, whatever it takes. I mean, they don't know who they can trust. Right. Everyone's a spy anyway. Just what, whatever. It's just fine. They get Booster up after he leaves, and he says they need to look at Isar's dream ladder. <laughs> Isn't that like those inspirational things you make for yourself? Uh, yes. <laughs> In this context, it is perverse. So they have to examine her greed and figure out her end goal and then work down to see where it connects with the current point in time. Yep, that's totally normal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just a good yeah, old so dream ladder. They're just working on the dream ladder. Don't worry about it. Uh, the rest of this chapter is Wedge as Colonel Rowett having a fancy Imperial dinner and absolutely nothing important happens, except <laughs> maybe they think that Rogue Squadron are all close. <laughs> <laughs> so they're basically theorizing like we are at this point yeah. <laughs> Colonel Ruitt what do you think well I do perchance suspect that we are six years into post return of the Jedi EU and therefore everyone must be a clone yes and uh, give me some of that green wine oh I'm sorry I mean emerald <laughs> why did this chapter exist <laughs> I'm starting anyway. to feel that way about this book to be quite honest <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, if it weren't for Broke Vessery, I don't know. Plus. All right. So, Broke Vessery, Colonel Broke Vessery needs to defect because he's too good. Too damn good. So, he comes in to, like, check on everybody. And she's like, hey, I know you actually like the rogues a lot, but we're still going to have to do our plans. And he's like, ugh, I know. I'm, a, I'm loyal to a fault. And Isar reveals that she'll be striking the New Republic to get what she really wants, which we can assume is Coruscant. Their defenses will be down because their forces are all going to be battling over Citrus. Cut to Prince Elmo Baby Bear and Lady Gaga. <laughs> and they talk about how they think they'll be attacked two days from now by the New Republic. Prince Elmo Baby Bear then suggests that they leave now to go strike at Coruscant, which will take 18 hours. Well, that's awkward. Yeah. Just- Throw that into your daily plan, I guess. Yeah, it's fine. So Corrin is playing Sabak, and he's doing all right. And the pilots all get recalled to their fighters and told that they'll receive their assignments, but they're deploying immediately to attack the New Republic. Dun-dun-dun. Interesting. Yep. So Isard's group and Prince Edmund Baby Bear's group are going to show up at Coruscant and take each other out. And meanwhile, the New Republic's going to be over at Citrus-like well, I guess free grapefruit for us. <laughs> or or that Mirax and Iella will figure it all out in the end as they always do. And uh, and then everyone will go to Coruscant. 
Yeah. Girl Squad. And there'll be a good old fashioned space battle. Yeah. Space battles. Three-pronged space battle. A three-way space battle, you could say. Who? I'm ignoring that. (laughs) Who are you rooting for? Uh, I'm obviously rooting for the New Republic because I don't want to see Akbar get disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> that's really oh, good motivation. Disappointed Akbar would be really sad. Yeah, I'm rooting for the New Republic, but also I want Viserys to not die. So also him, just him, yeah, just him. I just want him to escape. I want like everybody like there's just chaos, and he takes this opportunity to like leave. Yeah, be be safe and free. Yeah, Colonel Burke Viserys, where you had a simple life. As like a fireman or something. Oh. Oh. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Stop stealing all my episode title ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Now I have to come with a pun about Vessery, and that's a lot harder. (laughs) There's more broke puns, I'm sure. (laughs) Going for broke. Keith already used that one. <laughs> Damn it. Like literally just a minute ago. Yeah, I may have been broke, listening. Brokeback Mountain. Stop. <laughs> Stop Damn. <this>. Okay. <laughs> question Funny enough, that we got is questions. my answer to last week's question. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of Brokeback Mountain, <laughs> last week's listener question was, what is your super sexy headcanon about Broke Vessery? We didn't answer this, did we? Because Meg was okay. write a thick. So mine, the reason I'm shouting out all these broke puns is that I want him to just be like super smooth using only puns with his name as pickup lines. Oh my god. Oh my god. So I started thinking about like what they could all be, and those were a couple of them. Like a self-aware Akbar. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Like he always just uses the word broke in conversation. Oh, I love it. Um, my super sexy head can about broke vestry is that. Um, there's an alternate timeline happening in our universe right now where things aren't dark and terrible and Brooke Vessery is a country singer who has just deservedly won Sexiest Man of the Year. Oh, as he should. Deservedly. As he should. (laughs) 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 Um, Mine may be predicting a little bit, but my super sexy can about Brooke Vessery is that he enjoys (laughs) vacuuming and doing ironing for me. Yes! <laughs> for you specifically. <laughs> for me specifically. I mean, he enjoys yeah. him in general, but especially for me. Yeah, because so he, sexy. Because it makes you smile, and he really enjoys that. Yeah, yeah. I really, I really, yeah. I really <laughs> want someone to vacuum for me. <laughs> I hate vacuum. It's the worst. Uh, so I have five super sexy headcanons about Broke Vester. Yes! Surprising no one. <laughs> <laughs> Number one is that he knows how to ballroom dance. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, number one is that he speaks Rodian, Wookiee, and Trandoshan, but he gets really nervous about it um, oh. because he thinks his accent's really bad. Oh my gosh. Bro. Number three is that he remembers everyone's birthdays and he writes them notes and leaves them origami TIE fighters. <gasps> I was going to have a hiccup that he does origami. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, number four is that his max squat is 315 pounds, which is three plates. On each side. Very specific. That's incredibly specific. (laughs) Um, Number five is that he doesn't really laugh. He'll just smirk or huff to show, like, humor appreciation. Except one time, Wedge told him about Lieutenant Ketch, and he outright guffawed for five minutes straight, and his smile was so good that Wedge blushed. (laughs) 
Oh my god, I love it so much. Why can't this guy be a real guy in our lives, honestly? <laughs> Come on. Oh, <sighs> good. Great. All right. Did you go, Danny? Yeah. Yes. Danny went. Okay. Um, this is hilarious, but this first listener response, I literally just read it <laughs> to see if any came in while we were recording, and sure enough, Greg said, am I too late for a listener response? It is summarized simply thus. Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> oh, Greg. Just like two minutes too late for that one. <laughs> well done, Greg. All right. Is Greg listening to us right now, do you think? Yeah, that's, it kind of creeped me out a little bit. He might be outside my window. We don't know. We just don't know. Greg gets is a glistening Greg voter to go away. He does know where I live, so... Um... Oh, God. Mm, Tom the fanboy said, "My head cannon for broke is basically Cowboy Channing Tatum from the yes. Kingsman sequel. Nice. I, yes. I see him and Wedge getting paired up in the adventures in the way two rival spies have to team up, team up to stop terrorists. Yes. Hashtag. Yes. I don't understand either of these hashtags. Maybe they're references <laughs> to something. Hashtag yeah. Man from Uncle. That's Man Hash, from Uncle. Hashtag Reaper seventy six. That's um, Overwatch. Reaper seventy six from Overwatch. It's, it's a great Overwatch. Okay. Okay. References. They're just, they're just two really buff dudes, and nice. they're just like murdering stuff all the time. It's good. Good. I appreciate all the stuff so far that seems to have him with like a southern accent of some kind. I dig that. Right. Like, he's yes. Cowboy. Yes. I never saw the Kingsman sequel or the Kingsman original for that matter. Either. Oh, that's so good. As the one who has seen movies. Hey, I've seen them both because I Yay, love them. Yay, Sam! I love the Kingsman so much. Eleanor said Colonel Vessery would make an excellent duke brooding over a beautiful schoolmaster's daughter, Lujane, in a gothic castle. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. The schoolmaster's daughter. <laughs> I don't know why, but I love that detail. <laughs> yeah, it's really uh, it's good. good. Amazing. I'm assuming that to something classic, but I have no clue what. Ben Warman said, first Ben Warman made a joke about um, Saf picturing Vessery as someone. Was that right, Seth? Yeah, he, he knew the moment he heard me talk about it yeah. who I was thinking of. Vesserectomy. Yep. That would be the pun with Vessery. <laughs> oh my god, Danny! Oh my god, Danny! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of myself, I just thought of it. Oh my god. Why? <laughs> He's so hot, he gave me a Vesserectomy just looking at him. Oh no! Oh, Danny. That's not how that works. Wait, is that not is that not correct? <laughs> Can we hold a vote and make sure that that does not become the episode title? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Wangalangs is already the episode title. <laughs> I know your WordPress password. I can real, change it Real too. phallic tendencies in this one, though. I don't know what's going on here. It should have been episode 59, honestly. Uh, yeah, we're, we're a week late. Uh, sorry, oh. Ben. Used to it. Uh, ben then gave an actual answer and said, I'd take Vesery out for drinks because he strikes me as a man who likes the feeling of a bottle of whiskey in his hand. Oh. And, yeah, that's a his, reference to yep. the character I was thinking of. Okay. Completely. It's still attractive <laughs> in my head. It's good. It's attractive and it's good, but yeah. yeah he's is still saying, calling me. <laughs> is saying that he likes the feeling of a bottle of whiskey in his hand also a double entendre? Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. The slender Good. man with the firm grip. Bingalings. Good. Bingalings. <laughs> and fine. I want I want one too. I'm gonna go with boogalungs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I also want one. I, we're like, no, maybe I should go with bongalongs. 
Oh, no. Yeah, no, boom, Yanni, yeah, a bong is something else. <laughs> <laughs> no, not a bong, Heath, a bong along. <laughs> Oh no! Mika, <laughs> moving right along. Save us, Mika. <laughs> Mika said, "Actually, broke is the one who cloned Iceheart, made Lady Gaga meet Prince Admiral Baby Bear, have them build a mini D. I think that means mini Death Star, because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it could also mean something else. <laughs> a mini dingaling. A mini, a mini dingaling. Then found the real Slim Shady and manipulated her into sending him to save Rogue Squad, all to finally touch General Antilles' shoulder. Yeah." Uh, Thanks. A master plan. So much effort just so he could smile softly at Witch. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't. That's fair. I would definitely do that too. <laughs> I want to give Greg a glistening Bodhi for having a really good pun. <laughs> he didn't steal from us. I want to give Eleanor a slightly smaller glistening Bodhi just because it's unexpected and charming. Yeah. yeah very yeah, charming. Good. It's and good. great use of Lou Jane. <laughs> Yeah, good use of like two random characters that aren't really yeah. that big that yeah. we all well that at least I love. <laughs> this week, anyone have any an idea for a question? I couldn't think of one. Appearing name for Steve and Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> no. Or can we can we describe? Can you can a, we date, have, a date? A date? Yeah. Date night with <laughs> date night with like, she and I start. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Into it. Describe the best date night with Sheev Palpatine and Asani Isart. Oh my God. Oh, this is good. This is good. I want to answer this next week because I need to think about this one. Yeah, I have to plan this. Yeah. 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 <gasps> yeah. This is a next week thing. We have reviews? We have what? three of them. What? Can I read reviews? Yep. Well, two are by the same person. So. It's fine. We, right. Nobody needs to know that. It's fine. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. Cool. Oh. All right, listeners, hit us up with your answers to our question, which is a great question, at Twitter at Rogue Podron. Find us at our website, roguepodron.tumblr.com. Email us, roguepodron at gmail.com, and subscribe via the Rogue Podron feed on iTunes or the Far Far Away, Ra- Far Far Away Radio <laughs> feed on iTunes, Stitcher, FeedBurner, and Google Play, I think. We have three iTunes reviews, which is super exciting. One from the Far Far Away Radio feed, uh, which is that all three podcasts are worth your time. Worth your time. Um, one of them is the most worth it, though. Uh, the original Far Far Away Radio episodes are awesome. I love hearing the discussion about the upcoming movies. It's like listening in on conversation with friends. Legends and Law is a wonderful discussion about books and blah blah blah. My favorite is Red Quadrant. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to jump in and say, skip to the good stuff. <laughs> so I know where it's at. Also from Chuckles3239 for the Rogue Quadrant iTunes page, I guess. Um, TheBomb.com. This podcast is appropriately awesome. I love listening to the laughter and the tears shared by the hosts. It makes me wish I had friends who are as nerdy about Star Wars as they are on this podcast. I started from the beginning and am almost caught up. Nice effort, buddy. Can't wait to be so I can start replying to listener questions. Yes, they are interactive with their listeners. Seriously, the best podcast. Love you all. Oh, my oh, God. Chuckles. Chuckles, you, you do officially now have four friends who are just as nerdy as us about Star Wars. Yeah. We are your they friends. Are us. We love you, Chuckle. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's Con- us. That's <laughs> Congratulations. We are your friends. Uh, if, if congratulations is the right word here, I'm not sure, but... <laughs> we are so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Please run while you can. Um, we, also- 
<laughs> we also have one more from Rogue Podron, uh oh from Conair7, which is in brackets, Baker Street Saxophone Sounds. Yay. <laughs> I love this podcast. You may know me from my answers for the listener questions and the winner of three glistening bodies, four slightly smaller glistening bodies, a glistening ball gullet, and a glistening middle finger, too. I can't yes. believe they've just right. News of the Galaxy on Twitter. I love, love, love that News of the Galaxy has a running tally of <laughs> their <laughs> awards. Oh my gosh. Their awards. I, I, I imagine that News of the Galaxy has a little trophy case. Yeah. It's like, it's empty. But whenever someone comes over, they say, this is where the, glist- the three glistening bodies and four slightly smaller glistening bodies. <laughs> and glistening he has a trophy case. Glistening middle finger. A trophy case with a whiteboard inside of it, so you can like update the tally on <laughs> right it. Right yes. <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is great and not boring at all. It makes you laugh, cry, and kiss your sanity goodbye. <laughs> the comedy consists of Seth saying something strange, yams anyone, making fun of Ben, <laughs> and it was done. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly is the first thing that came out of this. <laughs> and sometimes just words that sound like other words. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, Brazil will be there? <laughs> <laughs> we read the X-Wing books and talk about them, especially the saucy part, Chopper Sound. The only problem is they haven't watched any movies ever, so get on that. It's great to listen to Okay, for a moment I thought that they were accusing us of never watching a Star Wars movie. <laughs> no, they were accusing you three of never watching yeah. a movie. Yeah, good thing we're in a movie podcast. <laughs> Thank you, News of the Galaxy. You have so many stars. Oh my gosh, yeah, we've got so many stars today. That's three for each of us, and then three quarters of another one? Sure. I guess. Sure. Yeah. yeah, three and three quarters stars for each of us. Oh my gosh, we're so full of stars. I'm so, I'm so full. So sparkly. They get glistening book outlets for this, right? What do we give people for reviews again? I forgot. Do we give them things? We read their review on the show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just gave it to them. <laughs> yeah. That was the gift. Put your trophy cases, friends. <laughs> <laughs> Update that whiteboard. <laughs> just print out, take a screen cap and print out the review and put it in there. Yeah. They read this on the air. Our <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh, egos again. Oh, these reviews were so nice. They it were was. so much. Oh my gosh. They really do lift us up when we get to see that people yeah. say nice things about us. So. Happy. I love knowing that like we make other people happy with the things we do because the things we do are not like this stupid as heck. So yeah, yeah. yeah. extremely questionable life. life choices being made regularly on this podcast. <laughs> a lot. Sorry, I can't. Also, just cannot get over it. legends and lore. Blah blah blah. My favorite. Don't <laughs> <laughs> tell any of I did. They don't listen to this podcast as far as I know. They cannot know. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, thanks, Seth. And thank you, wonderful listeners. Next time, X-Wing, Isar's Revenge, chapters 33 to the end. Oh, my gosh. Ready? What? Put another one in the history books. Yep. And that will be maybe the last you'll hear from us for 2017. So Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. But still make sure you can. And then you answer the very sensual listener question that we gave you. Mm-hmm. You better answer that because I'm excited about those answers. <laughs> and with that, this is Rogue Padron signing off. Pash out. Pew, pew, pew. Pash so pew, far out. Pew, pew.
pew, 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 pew. I hope we get to see Pash again. <laughs> same. I miss Pash. Okay. I miss him. Rogue Leader signing off. Rogue Six signing off. Rogue Seven signing off. Rogue Three signing off. <laughs>